right, you know what that sound means. I am Mitch Maley, and this is the Brainton Times Podcast. I am joined by TBT reporter Don Kitterman, and we've had another full week in Manatee County government and politics, haven't we? Uh, it's, well, it's been two weeks since I've been in, it so has, I feel right. like there's been a whole lot that's happened. Quite a bit. So we'll <laughs> start off with the here. big uh, soap opera story, which has been Manatee County Commissioner George Cruz's... Um, Alleged DUI, uh, alleged is a hard word to use that we've seen on video. Uh, a lot of people got a kick out of my social media post, which said, if you get so shit hammered that you drive your car straight into a tree, there are some do's and don'ts in Manatee mm-hmm. County. Do be an elected official and don't worry about a thing. And that seems to be what happened. So uh, Commissioner Cruz made a mistake and the bigger story I think there is that the deputies, uh, the sheriff's office, did not pursue that properly. I mean, they, they, they've tried to give answers for a lot of different parts of this, but the reality is there was no investigation. The original responding officer was someone, so to explain this a little bit, there was someone doing a security detail. So uh, communities and stuff can pay a fee and have like an off-duty officer um, come and be scheduled to like, you know, work in that community or in that area. Uh, during that time, sometimes it's used at, you know, bars, restaurants, nightclubs, those kind of things as well. So this was at Greyhawk Landing. This lieutenant was working a detail and he said several people came up to him while he was driving his, his unmarked SUV around saying, hey, there was a car accident. You better go check it out. And he arrived. Uh, Commissioner Cruz seemed to be plastered. Um, he wasn't able to, you know, coherently give you know, an account of what had happened, um, talked about swerving, somebody cutting him off. And uh, of course there was no evidence of that with the tire tracks or anything like that. And then that officer requested a deputy to come and work the, the accident, somebody that was on shift. So, you know, he started the process, but never asked him if he was drinking, yeah. never did any kind of investigation or switched to the, you know, switched hats, as they say, legally to start a criminal investigation and didn't ask him to take a breathalyzer, field sobriety, anything. And most, most amazingly, let him, allowed him to leave the scene with his wife, allowed his wife to drive him home and have her come back and deal with the arrest or the, the I guess you would say the, the responding deputy who worked the crash. And then that lieutenant just explained to him that, well, you know, I, I, I couldn't put him at the scene, so I couldn't do a DUI investigation. He was clearly drunk, he said to him, and his I, wife's clearly lying. <clears throat> I found it interesting, too, that, you know, at the end of that footage, uh, the first officer, Lieutenant Pruitt, he takes the time to go and have kind of a, a sidebar with um, Jessica Cruz yeah. and tells her, you know, you need to take your husband home and have a real chat with him. And I thought to myself, why would he not go to George Cruz in that moment. I mean, even if at that point he's thinking to himself or or perhaps the laws are such that I think because he, he couldn't place him in the vehicle. I think, but, but why not just confront him directly? Like you said, he never even asked him, yeah. sir, have you been drinking? Because I'm pretty thought, sure you've been drinking. He think, said it to Jess. I think he thought he was too drunk to even deal know. with. Yeah, and yeah, have any be. impact. And here's another thing too, and I've always been you know, reticent to um you're reluctant to go after bureaucrats because here's the problem when you have systemic corruption is that there is no incentive to do the right thing you know there is this thing in Manatee County where 
if you run afoul of what they call the good old boy network, you are putting yourself in the line of fire. We've seen that. We've seen whistleblowers fired. We've seen uh, a lot of people who just step forward with something, having a lot of professional problems. We've seen a lot of people resign from the county in lieu of trying to, you know, make things better or do the right thing and just saying, I quit. You know, there, there's, I either have to get along to go along and compromise my values or I've got to put my head down and maybe do the things I don't want to do. And I don't know that we've created an environment where people don't think they're going to get penalized for doing the right thing. And that's unfortunate as well. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I'm I'm not Pruitt. I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what was in his head, why he right. did specifically what, or why he didn't do mm -hmm. <laughs> specifically what he didn't do. Um, I am somebody who I guess I haven't been, uh, you know, up to my neck in all of this as long as you have to where I still want to, uh, I guess, I guess I give people the benefit of the doubt or something. I want to believe, uh, you know, the narrative that we're told. I, I want to accept that there could be an ex, uh, uh, not an excuse, but a, a, valid explanation but then you watch the videos and you listen to the 911 calls and i see the operator transcript notes yeah we had some follow-up reporting on that talk about that a little bit well so i pulled the cad report or cad log which is the uh you know the computer software program it's it's a um both the dispatchers enter their information right it's into. like a, it's like a motherboard of communication right and so Anybody who logs into that, be it a responding officer or a EMS or whatever, they all have access to it and, and it tracks everything that happens in the course of an emergency, an incident, a call. Um, and I had originally requested that record in the initial records request I made, uh, you know, anticipating that eventually the body cam footage and the 911 calls audio and the unredacted report, all of these things would be coming. So I had already submitted and included and it you know that we got so much stuff so quickly and everything was moving so quickly it took until a couple of days for me to realize <clears throat> that the catalog was not in there and so I went back and uh you know and and let me just say this too everything dealing with on the um, sheriff's department side by comparison to what I've been through on the Manatee County government side where it came to public records in this scenario Everybody I spoke to and worked with via on the phone in person was very accommodating, answered all my questions. I did not feel at any time like anybody was trying to brush me off. And when I followed up on the CAD log and explaining that I had requested it and didn't get it, I was I received it by that afternoon. So but what was in the CAD log? So it 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 clocks um when the call initially comes in, it's notations from the operators right, as they're that listening. Right. And the specifically, once it's transferred to the sheriff dispatch operator, there is a notation saying, this is a probable SIG-1, which when I looked up signature codes, that seems to be pretty universal in the state of Florida for a DUI, for an right. intoxicated driver. So, so anybody that would access that, which they should have, they would have seen that, hey, we've already... You know, from the call, we know this guy's probably drunk. Yes. And then the other thing that I thought was maybe even more important or significant was that it's pretty well detailed in there via the operators stating 
that first they're speaking to the driver. They've confirmed the driver. There's nobody's injured, right? And then they note that some seconds later, sometime later, I don't know exactly how long, a woman arrives on the scene and they note that they can hear her telling him, get into my car, get into my car right yeah, now. Yeah, she's clearly coaching him to get out of the DUI. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the, the, when you look at that situation, you see, you know, uh, the video at the end where, he's, where you brought up where he's talking to uh, Commissioner Cruz's wife. He says, you know, the only reason he's not being arrested is because of all these witnesses, nobody stuck around mm-hmm. to say that he, they saw him and, driving. And, and which doesn't is a he say weird... something like, and fortunately, or yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. he uses some term like that. Right, and I thought, right. wait a minute. You're not supposed to. Right. <laughs> that's not, that's not and that's the part like, okay, so he, he says, but first of all, that also shows like, okay, well, that means there's some investigating to do, and maybe somebody can put him behind the wheel. Well, so why on earth are you not doing a breathalyzer and, and or a field sobriety test to establish his drunkenness while you can? The only time you can do right. it is right now. Uh, you can't let him go home. You can't let him do anything else. The only time you can do it is right now. Why aren't you doing that in case the follow-up investigation, which is what the sheriff's department is saying happened? Oh, we found out afterwards when we looked at all this stuff that, and that's why we started investigating the next day. That doesn't pass the smell test. Well, and this is the significance, I think, of that CAD report and the fact that it spells out that first the driver is responding, then a woman is heard, the driver is slurring, the woman usher or, or instructs him to get in the back seat of her vehicle, which is where the first responding officer found him, was in the back seat of her vehicle. It brought questions to my mind about, because I know that that is a motherboard of communication, Lieutenant Pruitt should have had the ability to go back to his vehicle, type it into his computer, and review that log. Right, right. And he would have seen. Now, yes. maybe again, maybe that isn't enough. No, right? but it's because, one more because thing. George and Jessica were both saying it's one more thing, and <clears throat> you don't know what you're going to find from those or additional witnesses. They weren't actually interviewed yet. They were interviewed later. Mm-hmm. So the the initial nobody stuck around to tell me. Um, it, again, we could you know, pick this apart a hundred different ways. The reality is if you or I or anybody listening had been in that same situation, we would have found ourselves, you know, bracelets on, going, uh, you know, getting processed, calling an attorney, being asked whether we're taking breathalyzer. The other important thing to remember is if in Florida, if you say no, then you're still gonna lose your license for a year. You're still Mm -hmm. gonna, you know, face penalty for that. So we would have had to make all those decisions. And even if we were gonna get off on it, the likelihood was it's going to cost close to 10 grand from what most attorneys told mm-hmm. me. So there's a lot you're doing as a favor for somebody who's a public official by saying, well, you know, maybe probably, uh, I'm not sure we can convict this one. So we're just going to let you go home from the scene. I think there are several different angles, I guess, of outrage from the public on this, different points that they pick out on. But I think that is the one universal one. And that is exactly what I said to my husband after I reviewed the fo- footage was I cannot imagine under what circumstance you crash your truck into a tree, I show up on the scene, and, you, and they like, let yeah. me drive you home less than 10 minutes after and chatting with you. And what that does you. for the public perception of law enforcement, you know, the, the declining respect, if you want to say for it, is the idea that, you know, we've all been pulled over before. I've had speeding tickets where, you know, uh, some guy condescendingly, you know, 
well, you shouldn't be driving 47 in a 35, even though it's like, you know, 11 o'clock at night, the streets are empty. You were probably pulling me over to see if I was a DUI. I'm not. You're still going to give me a ticket. You're going to write it up. And it's $250. And you're going to say, you know, oh, you better be safer. You uh, see, you have a car seat in your kid. What if there's a kid in the street? Okay. But this situation, a guy's doing, you know, 50 or 60 into a tree from what they said by the impact thing of it. Um, could have been a kid there. That was mm -hmm. 7.30 at night. Could have been somebody riding their bike. It was right by a gate. Uh, and that person gets a, thank God I didn't have to actually write you up on this. Be more careful next time. Mm -hmm. it, it just, it confirms what we all know is that there's multiple sets of rules and it depends who you are and who you know as to which ones you're going to be held to. Yeah. And that's frustrating. So that's what we'll see. We'll see coming up whether or not, I don't know whether the, you know, let's be honest, the uh, state attorney's office under Ed Brodsky has not been known for um, prosecuting uh, politically connected crimes. Um, you know, we have, we have examples of that. Uh, but again, they might have cover here because of the poor investigation that was done. Seems very unlikely at this point anything's going to happen other than the public is going to continue to lose their faith in the institution's that govern them and that they pay for yeah yeah that we empower that's the other part mm -hmm. like that cop mm -hmm. that condescendingly we're empowering you to protect and serve we're giving up a little bit of our freedom to allow you to protect and serve we expect it to be dispensed honestly with integrity across the board it clearly is not especially in manatee county well and can i just say one more thing on that you know I think that with police officers, like educators, and you know, there there is room for discretion, right? Circumstances sure. can be different, but we are not talking about the example you gave of a right. speeding ticket. I mean, this is again, <laughs> or even a like, I smell a little bit of alcohol. The guy's completely coherent. He had two glasses of wine on the way home from dinner. Hey, can you call somebody to come and get you or something like that? That's the kind of discretion. It's it's. Unfortunate that it tends to be exercised more when somebody's politically connected, but even that is discretion. But when you show up and somebody has just plowed into a tree right. head on and they are wasted and you, you know, talk about how regretful it would be if you'd actually have to hold them accountable and, you know, uh, make sure that you're not doing that. It's, it's, it's a whole different level. Agreed. All right, moving on, we've got James Satcher, another Manatee County commissioner in the news this week. Uh, Come on, man. This is just <laughs> this guy with, you know, first with his stupid ham-fisted abortion. And his abortion ordinance, he trying to take credit for like, like, well, heard, you know. I heard that. We got some stuff done because of, I, I don't know. You never know, he said. <laughs> if, if, if us doing this on this local level is why these things get done. Uh, wasting more taxpayer time and money with this. Hey, let's let the 2,000 employees decide whether they want to carry a concealed weapon at work because that's what we need. Come on. Seriously? Do you do you think that there was some discussion? I don't remember specifically which commissioner suggested it, maybe more than one. Do you think there will be an actual employee survey? Will employees be given the opportunity to I don't know and I don't think that should matter. I I don't want employees to even decide that. What well, you know, what I did stress in my column this week was there's no evidence that there is a clamoring for it. Right. You know, I I don't know of any, you know, people out in the field that are saying, "Hey, we're getting threatened and attacked and I need to have my gun on me." Uh, I don't know that. I do know of a lot of complaints against different departments. Let's say code enforcement, yeah. for example. I sure as hell wouldn't want code enforcement officers to be walking around with concealed weapons on them, considering some of the things that we've heard in those investigations and that report. Um, but the other part is, is, you know, look, we have law enforcement. 
And that, that, that is, again, who we're supposed to entrust with this deadly force, you know, mm-hmm. when, they're, when, when they're out in the workplace. And we spend an enormous sum of money on that. So I just, I, I really don't see any need for it. But the, the bigger point is, this isn't what that's about. It's the same as the Correct. abortion part. I wouldn't be surprised if just like that huckster that, you know, we found out was emailing him and saying, hey, why don't you try to pass this local abortion ordinance? And okay, uh, maybe there was a, you know, Second Amendment person that had the same idea. But, you know, the, the idea is nonsensical. And then, you know, let's go beyond that. Uh, in just a less than two weeks, we're going to have a special session in Tallahassee that's ostensibly to solve a crisis on property insurance, which anybody who owns a home in Florida knows there is a severe crisis in homeowners insurance in which rates are skyrocketing. Companies are leaving the state at breakneck paces because of global warming and the changes to the uh, storm season and so forth. And rates are just really hitting families at a time. Mine went up 11% this year with citizens. And at a time when, you know, General inflation is a 7.7%. Gas inflation is higher. Uh, some food inflation is higher. And instead of saying, hey, we're going to spend every hour coming up with a solution, which I haven't even heard any proposals yet ahead of this session, but instead of saying we're going to do any of that, we're, hey, I'm going to promise you that we're going to come out with constitutional carry. So we're going to instead go throw more red meat to the crowd in this culture war with this special session that the taxpayers are paying for why wasn't this taken care of during the the actual session if it was so important? Agreed. And I also find it interesting because, tell me if I'm wrong on my memory here, but did we not that long ago get a uh, bill, what was it called, like the riot bill or something? Yes, where, yes. Right, right. So now when you're justifiably running over people who are blocking the road. Now those people might be armed with weapons, you know? And that, that, that's <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind. So when you look at that, first of all, let's talk about constitutional carry is a little bit different. So some states like Pennsylvania, where I'm from, has open carry, which means if you have a weapons permit, you can carry in a holster on your hip um, and just walk around with it. Where in Florida, we only have a concealed weapons permit, which means you can have a weapon on you, but you can't be brandishing it that way. So uh, important distinction there. And from a tactical standpoint, as a former military officer, the first thing I'd always say is I'd never open carry because you're giving away the element of surprise if you mm-hmm. are attacked. Or if, you know, the whole, not that I subscribe to the whole, you know, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun theory. Uh that bad guy with a gun comes in and he sees, okay, there's two armed people. That's who I'm going for first. It's just, it's not something you would do. I would never open carry. Well, and wouldn't that give a bad guy with a gun an advantage in a situation because he could uh, appear to be a good guy with a gun and everybody's just got guns? Sure, I mean, sure. how do That's you That's another tell part too if he's not concealed, right? Right. You know, so the idea that it's a deterrent effect, I think is silly. Um, what we're going to see with it is like what you see in, for example, states like Michigan, when that whole you know, thing was going on during COVID and you had all these knuckleheads out there with assault rifles strapped around their back, protesting at the Capitol, getting up and, you know, spitting basically in security guards, uh, Capitol police faces, you know, Mm -hmm. from screaming that close to them. Uh, And what that's going to do to amp up tension. So when you now have, you know what you're going to see, you're going to see like the, the uh, right, right to life versus um, Mm -hmm. pro-choice, you know, Protests are going to happening, and whenever you have a pro-choice, which is 
by and large, bringing more people, you know, who are from the left out, then you're going to have a whole bunch of knuckleheads across the street with their AR-15 strapped to their back, you know, strutting out like peacocks of, oh, we're just here exercising our rights, intimidating people. And then when you go into places, you know, everywhere from a coffee shop to a restaurant or whatever, those businesses are going to have to now craft policies. Mm -hmm. You know, Starbucks, for example, has asked, like, because, you know, <coughs> it's private property. They do not have to allow you to bring a gun on private property. So those businesses, Starbucks, for example, said, we, we don't want you bringing your gun into a Starbucks. You know, there's, there's no reason for it. You know, please leave it at home. Um, but that's what you're going to see. You're just going to have, and, and look, I'm a Second Amendment proponent. Uh, I believe that you should have the right to own a gun, defend your home. Um, but here's what I see in practice. And that is the people that are the loudest about it, the people that want to show up with their AR-15 around their back, they're all the people that you don't want having a gun. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, there are a lot of responsible gun owners who practice gun safety and are, you know, legitimately their only concern is protecting their family in a very rare, you know, situation where it to occur. Uh, and then you have a bunch of morons who use this as their you know, whatever you want to call it, their stunted emotional development aid where, you know, I don't know how to express myself. So instead I conjure up this, you know, avatar of myself as a <laughs> tough guy that carries a assault rifle around the mm -hmm. street. Like it's the goddamn wild west and uh, I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm tired of wasting time. I'm tired of writing columns about bullshit that has nothing to do with public policy. You know, my degree is in public administration and government. I like you know, analyzing public, real public policy crafted to solve real problems facing society. That's why I'm in this business, not to, you know, delve into this moronic culture war nonsense that has become 80% of all politicians do. And this falls right on Governor DeSantis, who's campaigning for president, not running for even re-election, which, you know, he's gotten the bag already. I think he has a hundred and a quarter million dollars or something, which is I think a factor of 10 over every one of his opponents combined. Uh, he's easily going to win re-election in 2022 in November. Um, he's running for president. And this is, this is just one more thing to get on Fox News, to, to own the libs, you know, to, to uh, rile his base and whatever the case is. And it's a lack of fundamental leadership where you're supposed to be solving a real crisis for your constituents, and that's property insurance. And instead, you're dangling this red meat nonsense in front of people. It's cowardice, and it's 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 really just sad. Yeah, and what I was speaking to you before about uh, the other bill, um, the one about the the riot anti riot bill. Yeah, there was another one proposed, and I don't know what became of it, uh, but I believe it was proposed by a Republican representative that had to do with protesting out front of private person's homes yes, or something like that. So here's another example where you've got at least somebody, who, you know, in, in state. Um, Legislature, right? Yes, thank you. Uh, who, who has some coherence of like, you know, this is getting heated. People are being intimidated. This is not about really free speech so much as, you know, uh, making a scene, right, yeah. political theater, uh, and then trying to bully somebody to your will. And raising your own profile on so social they, media. And so they, right. Let's and, be honest. Right, and so they they propose this bill to try and at least 
you know, funnel people back to the public spaces, right? And then they, and that is being followed with something like this. So like you were saying, you know, in terms of amping up the um, combative pressures of it all, uh, there are intelligent people in, in public uh, service positions who look around and they know that there is danger in this type of partisan frothing of like, um, you know, I, I don't know the word, Neanderthal type, oh, oh, right, oh, right. you know, and now we're going to put some more guns on top of that, put them out front. And, and my understanding is, uh, is it true? So I'm originally from the Midwest, which is where I had the most exposure to guns growing up um, in, in rural areas, especially. Um, is it, it so in Florida, you don't you don't have to have a weapons permit or license here or anything to go and purchase a gun. It's only for concealed Correct. carry. Well, so let's explain this. So a constitutional carry would do is it's open carry in states like Pennsylvania. You have to go through the same process and get a permit. Sometimes you have to take classes, uh, you have to background check in some states, um, and then you get a, a permit to openly carry the same way as, as we do okay. the concealed thing. Constitutional carry takes the gun ownership part of Florida and says it essentially does away with what the, the concealed weapons permit that we have now. And it says you are constitutionally endowed with the right to open carry wherever you want without any kind of permit. So it's or training or training yes, or would, it, well, they haven't written the legislation yet, background but check. The, 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 ostensibly it would say, if you could buy a gun in Florida, you could also openly carry it. And it's, it's absurd. Um, and again, it is not well thought out because none of this is about policy. It is all about red meat. You know, there's a, I'm not a big fan of John McCain. Um, I think he was a fraud in many ways. Uh, however, I did respect certain things about him and good God, compared to modern politicians, he was a saint. Uh, and the one was when he was running as president Obama in 2008 and they try his campaign, uh, Steve Schmidt famously said, you know, we can go after the Reverend Wright thing. And McCain, to his credit, said something to the effect of, there is a dark, dark energy in American populist politics that people get tempted to tap into. But if you think you can tap into that and then control it, right. once you do, you're wrong. And it's never worth the price. I mm -hmm. won't do it. And I don't know if truer words were ever spoken when it, when it comes to campaigning is that, you know, look, both sides have been courting some nonsensical things. And I think the right is, is more guilty of this from, you know, the religious aspect with the pro-life part, the, uh, the race baiting, a lot of different things that, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we got to expand the tent. So let's wink and nod to these wackos way over on the fringe. And then after a while, you start to expand your, 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 you know, uh, uh, your um, patience for, for the wackos and you start to realize, oh, wow, they're kind of becoming the majority here. And that's what we're seeing today. And we're seeing, and here's what I w really want people to hone in on. And, you know, this this whole thing with the with the Dobbs draft with from the Supreme Court with uh, the Roe v. Wade, uh, why we're relitigating this 50 years later. Um, yes, it is, you know, a single issue thing to sliver people on both sides. But the reality is, is that 90% of the time, the parties are on the exact same page. 
when it is supporting big pharma, supporting big medicine, supporting big tech, supporting big energy, keeping taxes low for the million, you know, billionaires, really, the, the, the 1%, uh, making sure that corporate America can continue to offshore its, its money and do corporate inversions and set up their headquarters somewhere else so they don't, somewhere else so they don't have to pay taxes. All these things, they're on board. They're shaking hands and having lunch and going to the same galas and taking the same money from the same parties. And then where they have to make you think there's a real fight going on is with this culture war stuff that doesn't cost their real constituents, not their voters and the people who elected them and they ostensibly represent, but the people who sign those big checks and keep their asses in the seats, they don't want to pay anything. They want status quo. So they have to keep the people who are getting screwed fighting viciously over nothing that Not those people care about. Yes, they don't care. Okay, yeah, sure. America has a racist past or it doesn't, whatever, you know, fight over it. Uh, bathrooms, go ahead. Genders, fight over it. Um, oh yeah, uh, you know, guns, yeah. Fight over it, you know, but meanwhile, let's not talk about any of those other mm -hmm. things that really are what separates you from us. Mm -hmm. And because at the end of the day, if you guys ever work together for the socioeconomic problems and inequities that were built in, baked into this society more than all those other things, if you ever united and said, hey, you know, we're kind of all getting screwed over here while those guys are getting the golden ticket, then we'd be in trouble. So this is where we're at now after, after you know, 50 years after the New Deal, 70 years after the New Deal of, of doing this, we're now at the point where, where you have to get the stuff this intellectually vacant to get people riled up. We're, we're to the base of the base uh, uh, in society. And it, there, there's a lot of ways that if you study, you know, Gibbon's uh, decline and fall of the Roman Empire, um, there's, some, there's, there's a lot of uh, familiar language, you know? Yeah. History doesn't, what's the, I think it's a Mark Twain quote. History doesn't necessarily repeat itself, but it tends to rhyme. Is that really Mark Twain? No one ever knows if it is, but uh, <laughs> I think he had, him and Ben Franklin have more quotes ascribed to them that are completely <laughs> unknown whether they actually said it than I think any, any two uh, Americans. Yeah, but to your point, um, I've found myself, um, I guess, becoming a bit more of a, well, I think I always have been. A moderate. I think I, you know, there's in in traditional, like even what is a conservative? What is a liberal? I don't anymore? even know if you have a word there, that there makes isn't, sense for any of them. There, no. there, it, it isn't what it ever was, and and we have done a lot of that through our politics, mm -hmm. taken words and completely changed their meanings. And, and turn them into something different for the sake of these right. nonsensical wars and branding ourselves and labeling others. I think, I think if we say moderate, because so many people, I, I think it's so undefined. I think really the, the word I tend to use when people ask my ideology, I say pragmatism. I'm, I'm mm. a person who looks at it and says, okay, what's the reality of the situation? What are our options here? How does that impact the various stakeholders? Right. And how can we come up with the most equitable policy that serves the most people without anyone bearing you know, too great of an expense. Right. And what, and what about the issue? Maybe am I not considering, or could I learn more yes, from, from this yes. side and over at this side and the, the partisan just, I, it, it drives me to the point of sometimes going, why am I, why did I even take this job? <laughs> because it's so frustrating. Like even in the local meetings, the board, the BCC mm -hmm. meetings, when you have commissioners 
who want to, and you've, you've mentioned this before, you know, throw out names from other places. I think most recently, Chair Van Austin Bridge said something about, you know, uh, well, if as long as we've got, you know, Joe Biden, then you might as well just count on inflation going up. And, you know, and there's just constantly from Satcher and the liberal agenda and, and, and bringing up other politicians' names who have mm-hmm. literally nothing, nothing to, to do with Manatee County. County. Um, but it's all just... Theater. It, I mean, it is, I think, on the larger sense, right? There's, there's examples being created. Right, a script being written that I don't even know sometimes if people understand they're following, right? Mm-hmm. They they maybe somehow come to believe that they they're a part of the good fight, right? And so they they actually are standing up for or or better said, they're standing against something, right? But I just wonder sometimes when they're alone in their own thoughts, do they ever think to themselves like this is nonsense. And I'm and, completely full of horseshit. Right. And, and, and really everything I'm saying is just because I have to like toe the line and stick to the script. And, you know, this whole idea of, and, and I see, you know, this is because we're in Manatee County, maybe it's different elsewhere. Maybe there's other counties where it's in reverse, but we hear a lot of talk and it's coming right now out of aspiring candidates or, or aspiring representatives who are current candidates on the um, real conservative, right. I'm a real conservative, or and they're a rhino, and and the you know a lot of throwing around of the word patriot. There was something that happened over the weekend. I don't know if you're aware of it, um, and it's related to this gun thing, um, or no, it isn't. I'm sorry, that's something else. But uh, there was a post by a candidate who had made a remark about a current commissioner. Carol Whitmore, being seen, it was the park opening, it was the opening at GT Bray, um, with Reggie Bellamy, and this person is- A Democrat? Right, and this person is a veteran, right? But they're painting Reggie Bellamy as the enemy and calling themselves a patriot, and I'm just thinking, wait a minute, you're both veterans. The man you're trying to basically call Satan over here has been a public- Worn the same uniform, served like you served. And let me ask you this. As a veteran yourself, is this something that is discussed in the barracks on the field? Do people say to one another, hey, what are you, you a Democrat? Uh, I will say that you're not allowed to. And in my time, absolutely not. Right, because it's divisive. Right, we were green. That was it. We weren't black, white, blue, red. We were green. So, right. So how do we have people who in their minds and in their words are saying, what I care most about is America's strength, right? And America first but then they're participating directly in things that are known to divide the populace, which ultimately weakens America. How do we, how do we get to that point other than these people are buying the script? They don't know what they're well, doing. Well, I think a couple of things. I think one, they also get cover from it. Like in the sense that if we can keep everybody fighting over those you know, red meat national issues that have nothing to do with local politics, what are we not talking about? We're not talking about mangroves. We're not talking about overdevelopment. We're not talking about a lack of affordable housing. We're not talking about the traffic infrastructure that we're not doing anything about. Um, again, it's a great tool for deflection. The other part is they're being socially rewarded for it. You know, that, yeah, that's, that's true. <coughs> excuse me, that's what 
you know, is, is probably the larger issue is that you have these people and they say those words and they realize that, and it's a small echo chamber. That's what mm -hmm. they don't realize is that it's just a small echo chamber saying, yeah, 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 more, more, more. And these are largely, when you look at it, and this is the unfortunate part, the vast majority increasingly of candidates and, and many of the newer candidates on the board who, you know, listen, again, I take no pleasure in sounding mean, but objectively are not very accomplished people. They have not been successful outside of this. They have not made a mark on the world in any meaningful way. They have kind of, you know, grifted through life from one idea and effort to the next, you know, one and with, with, with no real, you know, record of success. And then someone plucks them from obscurity and says, Hey, you know, I think you're pretty smart and you say a lot of really great things. And I think you should be one of our leaders. And you know, you have one of two reactions and the humble one is, <laughs> what are you fucking crazy? Right. Right. And part of my language, uh, the less humble one is, yeah, that's what I always thought too. <laughs> Why didn't my dad think that? And, you know, my teachers. And, yeah, you're right, Mr. Baruf. I am smart and I can do better than most of these people. And wait till you hear, I got a whole lot more where that came from. And uh, and then they're high on their own supply. You know, they're they're out there thinking that that I'm this. You know, we're a brain trust. Mm -hmm. uh, when when the community is laughing at them um, and saying, how did it get? this dumbed down like, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, uh, a lot of people might not have liked, you know, uh, take your pick, uh, Betsy Manac, Priscilla Trace, whoever, but nobody accused them of being morons, uh, of, right. of not being, you know, I look down on a lot of the public officials and I'm looking for Velcro shoes done because I don't think they could tie ones with laces, <laughs> you know, and get out of the house unless their wife's doing it for them. That we're not talking about people, we're not talking about the, the mental heavyweights here. The, you know, the people are doing intellectual heavy lifting. Um, but to hear themselves, it's just, it's, it's oh no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at the top, cream of the crop. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's all we'll say about that. Let's move on. We got uh, some good news. Let's finish on some good news here. We've got a lawsuit. Um, City of Bradenton finally uh, settled with four environmental groups that had sued them over their repeated discharges. Oh yeah, we had too uh -huh, much again. We're uh -huh. doing a discharge accidentally into the bay, into the river. And of course, all that high nitrogen water is just fuel for these algal blooms. And the settlement uh, sets firm deadlines for improvements to the city's sewage treatment plant, including increasing pumping and treatment capacity and upgrading disinfection abilities. The city will also have to address issues in the collection system, including assessing the condition of pipes, finding leaks, and ensuring the availability of backup power. The city will update its capacity management, operation, and maintenance programs for its sewage collection system. And this was a lawsuit um, brought up by a number of uh, groups, Sun Coast Waterkeeper, Tampa Bay Waterkeeper, Minnesota 88, and our Children's Earth Foundation. Big, big hats off to those organizations for uh, putting up this lawsuit, fighting this long and, you know, litigious, expensive battle and not some, you know, FDAP should have been able to do this. And this is, again, as much as this is a celebration, it's also an indictment of we shouldn't have to have government by litigation. We should have, you know, oversight. Agreed. I had not, uh, I had not heard any of this latest news, so I don't have a whole lot to add. Uh, obviously I was aware of the ongoing, I mean, 
it's like twice a year. Every year we hear more. Two, twice a year, big ones. <laughs> yeah, quite exactly. a few more in the summertime. Uh, another piece of news we had. Planning Commission recommended, uh, we've got that today, if you're listening on Friday, uh, BradingtonTimes.com. And again, I can't stress enough, we're putting more and more hard news in that Weekender edition. So try to open that up on Friday mornings to keep up the pace. Uh, Circuitalia, which is the parent company, so an event organizer, they own that, um, what is the name again of that one that's in Palmetto all the time? Uh Oh, the, the paranormal scary, Yeah, the yeah. scary one. Uh, kind of risque, paranormal. It's a... It's a but weird thing. Have you been? Um, I have not. Okay. Um, I've, I've just from the you know seeing the stories and the advertisements mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, I was going to check it out this year. I didn't get a chance to. Um, but anyway, they are going to. They're asking for a rezone on the Onico Glass Factory, which is which is defunct. And you know there hasn't been a lot of redevelopment in that area. They're asking just for a two story administrative building there. And then they're going to have an event center there. They're going to use grass parking. It is only going to be used for a maximum of 40 days a year. They took it from 80 to 40 from their initial application. Uh, and no event more than 20 days. So you're probably going to have two 20-day or 20 and two 10-day events. They do a water circus. Uh, there's no circus animals. And there's no alcohol so- sold on uh, site. So I really, you know, there were some complaints, but you know, I kind of... I do understand that State Road 70 doesn't have a tremendous amount of capacity. Again, we're only talking about 40 days. Um, I didn't have a problem with this. You know, from the presentation I saw, uh, again, Onico has not seen much redevelopment over the last 20 years where a lot of other parts of the county have. Uh, I think this is the kind of low intensity, you know, it's going to be done under a, a tent facility that could be taken down. I think this is a kind of low intensity land usage that we should be encouraging in these formerly industrial kind of blighted areas. I, I agree. So that will have to go back before the county commission for a final vote. It has not been scheduled yet. And you're reporting uh, for Sunday's edition on another lawsuit in which Manatee County lost tell us a little bit about that yeah well so that was a a civil suit that was spawned out of a a suit that we had reported on i can't remember when several weeks ago months ago um it was the story if you read it you might remember it was the story of a volunteer with the manatee um animal services they were working in shelters uh they were fired by the county the volunteer felt they were fired wrongfully on the grounds of things they had posted on their social media accounts, which they're... Whistleblower type stuff. You know. Yeah. And we can't really say, listen, and we didn't really delve into the, like, the, the charges themselves in terms mm-hmm. of the, the shelter and what they mm-hmm. were doing, but it was kind of just like, hey, I don't think we should be doing it mm-hmm. this way, and here's a picture of, of what we're dealing with, which... Looks to me and like and First I was Amendment. able to find when I was doing that reporting, I was able to find, uh, contrary to that, this person online where other people were just coming out and like lamb blasting mm-hmm. uh, animal services. And this person was jumping in and going, yes, hey, yes, hold the phone. Yes. Like, we do good work. We're just underfunded. Right. And I'm bringing you up know, this so issue. This, right. this was not somebody who was just yeah. like, you know, tearing them apart or something online. Regardless. They lose their position over some of their postings. They were warned. They post anyways, whatever. Um, That suit ultimately was settled. But in the course of that volunteer bringing that suit, they were requesting many, many records um, from the county 
to back up and prove their position that they had been a good volunteer, that they had been in communication with personnel about what was going on, the storyline of what they were being told. And they had gotten many records, but there was... The individual states that there were more than 40. The court records officially say that there were about 40 that the county said, we've already given you everything. These things don't exist. Similar to what happened to us. Yeah, uh, pattern here, right? Yeah, they had some of the bits in there of copies of emails that should have been responded to those requests, right? And so you see the pieces of emails and you know there's other emails that were likely in that chain, right? And so that's how you know you can target to, and that is what this person did. And so they pushed back and said, there's got to be, at, at the bare minimum, you should have given me these emails I know exist, plus I want all these others. And so seven months later, the county found 70 emails that they said didn't exist. Which, or 40, excuse me, 40. And he contended there were like 120, correct? It was more. Now, when I communicated with him an email for the reporting on this story, I believe he said 65. Okay. Um, but I think there is some other moving pieces to this. Okay. Honestly, we didn't see But still, speak we had dozens of records. Correct. That seven months later had not been discovered. And, and a nonsensical excuse of, well, for a very short period of time, somebody else was the steward. That's when this request was made. And as soon as. Right. Well, and, and what um, the records manager, custodian at the county, said um, in her testimony about it was basically that, you know, where I personally have worked here for 10 years, I have all this experience, I would have been able to easily find these and produce these. But sometime in the fall of 2021, my access to searching the server for public record emails was moved over to the IT department. And so it was IT who didn't locate these things. And so I guess seven months later, she got involved and made IT. Now, the um, individual who brought the suit uh, has a little bit different version of the story, you know, and it does kind of make sense that there would be a lot of back and forth going on. Um, sure. Ultimately, in the end, the judge said, yeah, you, you violated Chapter 119. This is, this is not even like on the line. This right, is pretty right. clear uh, per the law. And so... You know, I don't know. I was actually looking into this, and maybe you know. I don't know what the what the highest penalty is of a public servant or a municipality who knowingly violates. I still think I believe, and I, I can't say this with certainty, but so you have to have. Uh, so what you call the uh, what's the legal term for um, curing the the violation? Uh, I believe the only thing you can get from that part is legal fees up to a certain extent. But then I do remember in the city of Venice case that, um, what's his name was involved with, uh, I don't know the public records guy. Yes, you do. The public records. The public guy. records guy who does all the lawsuits about public records. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Mike Barfield. My, Michael, Michael Barfield. Barfield. I'm sorry. Uh, I was thinking of like a public records no, guy no, working in Sarasota County. I'm um, like, I don't know no, them. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, he had, was involved with a lawsuit with the city of Venice. And I remember okay. they had a settlement. It was like a million five. I don't remember what all the details wow. were for that, but it was very, very expensive. So it's bad policy. And listen, I, I kind of took from the, the reading of that opinion that they went a little bit sort of soft in, in the issuing of it, uh, Judge Nichols. And I think almost of, it's probably a good public servant having 
pressure on him to do the wrong thing. And that's just totally my interpretation. But this is what happens, again, when you have problems from a top-down administration in which the chief executive wants to control everything personally and does not want to be transparent in a state where the laws are very clear about your transparency, you're putting people in very difficult situations. And I think it's been immensely clear to us and now other people confirming this, that this administration under Scott Hopes has been as opaque as a lead wall. Uh, they do not want to let you see how the sausage is being made and with good reason. But as a result of this climate that they are creating in the administration building in which employees with a tremendous amount of experience and institutional knowledge are quitting in droves. Yes. And we're having a hard time getting replacements. And guess what? And we're, keeping the replacements. We're getting we get. replacements and at least two of them quit within a very short period of time mm -hmm. of coming on board. Mm -hmm. uh, most likely because they to, saw- To what, management yes. level jobs. Yes, like senior good, executives. Good yes. paying government jobs. Yes. Great benefits in the sunny state of mm -hmm. Florida on mm -hmm. near a beach. Um, and they're saying, yeah, no thanks after, they, after they've taken this. And this is what happens when you allow politics again to influence administration. We stop administering. We stop policymaking. And when you put clowns in, in order to, you know, appease the paymasters, let's face it, this is Carlos Baruf and Pat Neal didn't want Sherry Corrier to be the county administrator. And thank you, County Commissioner George Cruz, because this is that's where the buck stops really on this, folks, is that, mm -hmm. you know, George Cruz is the one that is single-handedly responsible for Sherry Corrier being fired because that was put to rest with his 4-3 vote and let alone until he came back and reversed it in that meeting. And this is what we're dealing with now. Mm -hmm. We are, have lost so much talent in that building. And we are now operating a government of over 2,000 people where people are afraid to talk. We hear from them all the time. Uh, they it, don't want to go to work. It's to the point where this is being openly discussed from the, from the dais during yes. the meetings. There are commissioners who are saying it out loud. You know, there is. Do we a, have an HR director yet? There is a hostile, volatile work environment. You know, we and we, we are can't get an HR people. director. Like, think about that for a second. <laughs> Who do you really need under the circumstances? You need an HR director. Well, and you know, to kind of veer off a little bit. Well, it, it's kind of full circle to several points that we've talked about on all of these topics. All of this environment right now is creating a bit of what we talked about before the podcast briefly, where right now on Facebook, there are um, postings from commissioners who are out of town, you know, and they're posting relatively common. I really don't think, you know, I know that people are very upset about it. I see the comments they're putting on there about where are you eating dinner and who's paying for it and who are these lobbyists and who do they work for it? But much of what they're doing in, in that instance of what's in that photo is pretty commonplace. It's standard, like standard, fair. standard stuff. But the environment in this culture is it is trickling down to where the public doesn't know what to trust. Right, They're right. always on suspect. 
That and it and doesn't they help right to, right? when you've got commissioners crashing into trees and commissioners. You know, uh, uh, I don't even know. There's been you know VIP lists and right. there's an ethics thing coming up. And then you know at the last meeting during commissioner comments, speaking of the public records, I don't know if you caught any of that, but Carol Whitmore um, asked, requested of the county administrator, I want an investigation opened because she alleges and and actually. Administrator Hopes confirms that it is so that somebody in the county was running public record searches on specific individuals, commissioners, and then not only finding records and deleting records they found, but then deleting the queries they had run to cover the fact that the they tracks. had been running yeah. record requests. And according to Hopes and what he said in the meeting, um, to the tune of hundreds of queries, Who's deleting records? Who? What is, you know? Yeah. So it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And they wonder know? why they don't have the respect of the citizenship. That's what I'm saying. And you don't have the trust. Yeah. You know? And, and that was one of the things I really tried to stress in so many of my public comments and actions that I had taken before I had come to TBT. And I was really invested in this. Can we police hold Baugh accountable for what she's done? Because this is really important. This isn't about revenge. This isn't about, you know, go to timeout punishing you. This is about instilling public trust because I need to know that you people actually care about doing the right thing. Because if I can't trust you, to want to do and make sure to do the right thing, particularly when it's right in front of your face right. and it's easy to find what that right thing is. We're asking you whether the sky is blue and you're having got I got I to gotta drive on your roads and your bridges and shower in your water. Like, right. you know, it's, it's frustrating stuff. Beyond frustrating and our empathy is with the citizenry. Uh, the Very county much. commission has turned itself into a bad joke and they've lost the respect of the community. They've lost the confidence of the community. You can see that in every single poll we run where hundreds of people participate and consistently the people paying attention are saying they're doing an awful job. We don't trust them. We don't want them. But until we can get enough people invested in voting intelligently and not falling for the darn direct mail pieces about whether somebody's where they stand on guns, God, and babies instead of mangroves, traffic, and development, mm -hmm. we're going to see more of the same. So our appreciation is with you, the listener and the reader, because we know we're preaching to choir largely uh, in that extent. But just keep telling people, keep trying to keep it in the forefront of people's minds that, you know, pay attention to local government much more so than Washington. It has way more impact on what you see when you, you know, look out your door and what happens when your kids go to school what happens when your kids go you know play outside uh these are the people that are you know making those decisions and it is not the a team is it no it's not even the beat maybe the C no. team. i think i've said uh, a the bus leagues i've said a couple of times you know it would be it would be a comedic sitcom if it were funny yeah. It's it's really not funny. You know, you know so i laugh been, about it because it's a coping a mechanism. A reader made a comment in my last column and i've been for years, I probably got 200 of these of, you should write a novel about like like thinly veiled Manatee County and you know all the stuff, you have so much material. And it's like, here's the problem with satire is that you have to have some, like you're, to be absurd, you have to kind of have a normal that you can walk past. And it's like, what's actually happening is more absurd than satire itself. It's almost like, 
I'd have to draw it in crayons to make, <laughs> you know what I mean? To make it any sillier than it actually is. My columns are the novel. Just read them. It's that bad. We don't have to use fake names. We don't have to do anything. They're driving into trees. They're getting people fired. They're, they're doing everything under the sun. All right, that's it for this week. Guys, as always, uh, com. Sign up for the emails on our website. Tune in every Wednesday for the midweek update. Every Friday. Oops, sorry. Every Friday for the Weekender Edition and every Sunday for our big Sunday edition. Uh, thank you so much for supporting what we do.